It's a lot of fun. Keep it fun. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host at Steady the NFL on Twitter, and of course, follow the group at UK Packers. And as usual, around draft time, I'm joined by me old buddy, me old pal. It's a pretty shoot, Andy Davies. What's going on, Andy? Hey there, dude. You okay? You sound a bit rough, man, and I I forgot. Oh, I, well, <laughs> I love you. Um, you sound a bit rough, but there's a there's a good reason why I sound rough. Uh, people don't adjust your radio sets. Andy Davies is just fresh off his his own stag. So uh, Andy, Andy, Andy dodginess. If I was to say, and we have Mandy coming onto the podcast, would that would you worry that she was some sort of uh, exotic dancer? No, I've I've hired Ted Thompson to do my replies this evening, Steve. <laughs> He's going to give you all the information that you need. Okay, uh, yeah. Well, he had a dry <laughs> sense of humour, so uh, maybe there's something behind it. So, how, how did you get on? Where'd you go? Tell the listeners what you went on and did. Yeah, uh, yeah. What, what to do? Yeah, the board fell exactly as we thought it would fall. To be honest, uh, and that's about it. Now we went to Blackpool, right? Uh, so, sunny Blackpool on the west coast of England, and uh, mm. did a bit of football on the afternoon. Um, dressed up in um, some Hawaiian gear. Right, uh, <laughs> traditional Blackpool garb. And what game did you go to see? Was it at a place at a game, or were uh, Blackpool playing Hawaii or somebody? <laughs> no, Blackpool shoes. So it's my team, right. so it fitted in oh. well. And um, it didn't mean anything. The game, to be honest, it was a bit of a dead rubber. Mm. But uh, we had a good time anyway. It was about three thousand Shrewsbury fans behind the goal. Yeah. So a bit of a party, and then uh, the party went on to the wee small hours. But it was a good night. Yeah, it was good. Good fun. Bit of karaoke. Uh, a bit of dancing. A bit more dancing, uh, and then a bit more dancing. It sounds more like a hen party, Andy, than it does a stag. I mean, come on, was there no, you weren't handcuffed to a pole. I remember I was best man for my brother's one, and we just dumped him out of the back of a bus. So I didn't think we'd do it. I wasn't that cruel because he was my brother and all that. But his mates just took over, and they did all the cruel stuff. So I was like, all right, fair enough. They handcuffed him. Uh, what did they put him in? A, a convict outfit and dropped him. I think it was five miles outside of town. So it took him like whatever amount of time to get into the pub. And they took his phone. Like he didn't know where we were. He had to find us in the town that night. Like we were well on our way by the time he arrived in. No, no, none of that shenanigans, no? No, I think the, um, see, I played football with these guys for a number of years uh, and they've seen the way I treat centre forward. So I think they were a bit frightened to be honest, <laughs> to, to, do anything, to do anything like that. And they yeah. know better. <laughs> too hard there'll be slide tackles in church on the wedding day but anyway look we really need to dig into this draft because this is the part that i like it's the fact that all of this guesswork is gone we're finished with the mock drafts even though scotty Mann put in the facebook group today that someone has out a 2019 mock draft <laughs> oh dear jesus christ i mean i don't even know how that works how does that work i mean how do you know the draft order it just makes me want to vomit all over the place but andy i mean you're busy the weekend we're all caught up now um, and I hate to do this and I, let's not delve into this I guess too much but your initial thoughts on it I won't ask you to give it a grade because who knows they could all you know get injured before the season they could all be amazing they could all be busts you know who knows what's going to happen but from a filling need perspective did Andy Davies wake up a la hangover with the tiger in the bathroom looking at his phone and think you know what we've actually done well I think overall when you summarise it um we got quicker. We definitely added a lot of speed in me over the three days. Um, we certainly got good value. When you look at the sort of value charts, we definitely got a lot of value out of the, the moves that we made. Um, we, we plugged a number of needs. Um, that's for sure. 
Um, and I think for his first draft, I think the uh, the new GM did a, a terrific job. I think he came across really well. He's very articulate, isn't he? Very bright, yeah. um, very energetic. And I think he exudes confidence as well, which sort of spreads amongst the amongst the club, which is a good thing, I think. So, for all those things said, I think he's. Uh, I think we can be, you know, really pleased with what happened. Um, I wasn't particularly pleased, sort of, uh, the early hours of Friday morning when I first picked my phone up at half three in the morning <laughs> and seeing what we were doing. I, I expected us to trade out. Uh, of 14 and that's what happened didn't it um, and I half expected us to do a double trade which we did as well so none of that was a surprise for me I was just disappointed that we didn't we lost that third round pick and we obviously had to trade back in to get back into the third round didn't we so as a result we we didn't have as many selections between sort of picks 30 and 100 that I hope we would and when you look at the sort of quality that sort of churned out around two and three um, I think there'll be a lot of um, future stars in that area so that was the only disappointment for me people can pick holes in it all they like but at the end of the day um, when you look at our draft sort of crop compared to other ball clubs we've done exceedingly well yeah it's an odd draft for me um, I liked it I, I really liked what he did um, and again I wouldn't be a massive draft fanatic I, I think that comes across when I'm just giving out about mock drafts all the time but it was just you know trading out of the 14th uh, effectively ending up at the 18th getting a first round pick next year which is going to be super valuable and like everyone said we're just going to hope that the Saints lose to everybody in tank so that way we can do well although I don't expect that to happen um so you know we we went up to 27 and I thought it was fitting that Gudekunz came out and said that he had no plan at that stage to get back again he thought that there was plenty of value at that stage he was going to trade up to 27 and when we look at it you know he was right because of the Josh Jackson uh, selection but I guess, you know, in summary, it was a mixture of moving around the board, some savviness by getting a first-round pick next year. He did exactly what he said on the tin, really, um, in the sense of, not that that's the actual phrase, uh, is that he had so many draft picks that he was able to sort of manoeuvre around the draft as he liked. He was kind of ballsy with it. Um, we got wide receivers, which you said that we would do. Uh, we got incredibly tall at wide receiver, um, which <laughs> seems like a trend, right? And then, you know, we... If you want to look at criticisms, which I don't necessarily think are criticisms, and some of the narrative out there is actually incorrect, um, how I feel. But, you know, they say that we kind of ignored the tight end position, but then Mike McCarthy came out and said, you know, the draft board didn't really fall that way. But then you see us taking a punter and a long snapper, which is, what's that? That's historic for Green Bay to take a long snapper. I don't think we've ever done it in the draft, and it's not usually done anyway by practice in the draft. And then our punter as well. That That's sort of a strange one. But... I mean, look at the cornerbacks here, Andy, that, that that we got to begin with. Can you see that these are being interchangeable? I see an awful lot of this stuff online that they say, you know, uh, Jair Alexander and Josh Jackson, you can interchange both. Josh Jackson being the taller of the two. Both of them, uh, I guess Jair Alexander really stands out because of his speed, although he lacks that in height. I think he comes mm-hmm. in around 5'10", right? Um, starters for you, do you think that Jair Alexander, because of his height... Do you think it's a disservice to say that they're always going to play him in the slot? Um, or do you think that this guy could be sort of an outside guy with Kevin King? Or is this another a billion questions again? But is this the Packers going for that versatility player as well? Because, you know, he can return punts and all the rest. I mean, what do we have here in these two players? Um, a combination of everything you just talked about, really. So I think that they're both movable chef species. I think they can both do a various various roles in the back end there. Um, I thought we would take two cornerbacks in the draft. Um, I thought we would go perimeter first and then slot corner. Yeah. Um, and potentially we've done it the other way around. 
Um, I was surprised because there was probably more slot corners further down the draft. That's why Alexander really wasn't on my shopping list was because I just thought there was three or four guys further down the board that were not as good, but but equally as good value. Um, I, I think um, in terms of Josh Jackson, I think he'll be an excellent um, addition as well. He's a ball hawk, which I like. You know, mm-hmm. since the days of sort of Woodson and Collins, we haven't really had that turnover threat, have we? So we've got it twofold now. So it'll be, it'll be a, a huge plus. Um, yeah, I, I just think we're going to be, Patine's defence is going to be different, isn't it? Uh, I think there's um, long gone of the days where you just line up in this sort of base 3-4 and you play two cornerbacks, two safeties. We're so diverse now, isn't it? So I think that the the starting position, as we would have talked about it sort of four or five years ago, is no longer the same, is it? Yeah. You know, you, yeah, I think it's just different. I think there's many versatile, quick athletes who can sort of potentially take the ball away you can have on your defence, the better you're going to be. Uh, and that's why I got so frustrated with Clinton Dix last year that he played so passive because ultimately, you know, for all that you've got to be fundamentally sound on the back end, you need to have that threat of a turnover. You know, the, the, the Packers' defence in, in 2010, if you think about it, you know, we won a Super Bowl based off turnovers. You know, you think about the, the Clay Matthews play in the, uh, in the Pittsburgh game that, that sort of turned the tide. Turnovers are key, aren't they? You know, mm-hmm. they, 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 you often talk about the turnover battle in football. And if you've got players on the back end who can you know, ball hawk and, and be effective in that alignment, then you, you give yourself a great chance straight away. Yeah, and these two seem versatile. I mean, I think what um, Jair Alexander lacks in height, I guess he has that attitude. I've seen both of these players as well being tipped as, oh, the new uh, Richard Sherman. And I'm like, well, <laughs> they, they lack the height, and but maybe they have that aggressiveness and that's what we need because I think we've been trying to form that identity now for as long as I can remember. Um, you know, Mike Daniels has been pretty vocal about it the last couple of years that he just wants us yeah, yeah. to be a bit nasty. And I think that's what these two players have is that, you know, because Wes Hodgkins talked about it. It is, and all that <laughs> swag. Now, that word I associate with Justin Bieber, so it doesn't have the cool stuff that everyone else <laughs> seems to give it. Um, and as well as that, I mean, if you look at the guy's eyes, it, ra- it rivals Randall Cobbs. Okay, all of these intangibles, I think, are important, right? You'll fall in love with him or he'll tackle you one or the other. Um, I say that as a man with, with two sons. But I just find that these two lads are going to bring that kind of aggressiveness. I think... Um, Jair Alexander someone raised a great point um, online which is where we got all of our good ideas now um, is the fact that because of his speed you know what he might sort of lack in height he, he can get that speediness and that if you know if someone does get the completion then he's going to have that chase down speed which is kind of you know all the side on the sideline all that cliched phrase crap uh, Josh Jackson as you said ball hawk uh, he allowed a completion rate of 41.3 when you threw his way, which was just, just absolutely ridiculous. He'd come down with the ball. I believe um, he was a wide receiver. Um, he started off as a wide receiver and then he got converted then uh, to cornerback. But that's I find that from reading down through the bios of the players that we tended to draft, it's like they all fit this sort of versatility mold. And that goes with uh, the linebacker that we took, Oren Burks. So he was... A safety and then they played him as kind of a linebacker uh, safety hybrid and then they just played him at inside linebacker so this yeah. is and it's again it's a people said it was a weird one because we didn't really address at the pass rush now someone will say oh we did address it we have you know we went down and got him. we talk <laughs> about him later but the thing is when you're getting that late in the rounds um you can't say for sure that you know oh we've addressed some of that need let's you know hold off on that one so 
what would you know about Oren Burks or, or what have you read about him since Andy that would sort of inspire you that this guy will fill a need for us at inside linebacker or do you think that it's another pick that the Packers have gone for that versatility style that have you know because we were we were doing that right where we we're dropping safeties in, into the box last year and trying to make them play as kind of a hybrid inside linebacker so I guess they've actually just recruited for need and experience I guess they recruited for him because I've been banging on about it for five years, saying that we need an athletic inside linebacker. Um, it, it, once Darius Leonard went at the top of the second round, which was extremely high based on projections, um, he was he was the number two guy for me inside linebackers. So I think you you'll see on my pre-draft um, sort of piece that I put down. I think there was only four or five linebackers that I that I wrote down, and he was number two because mm. he's he's just got that speed. He's got that range. He can cover. Um, he's untapped potential. He's only been playing linebacking role for sort of, you know, 12, 18 months. Like you say, he was a safety. Um, he, he does everything we need that inside linebacker to do. I think he'll be a good complement to Martinez. I think he'll probably play sort of 30, 40% of, of snaps, to be honest, and particularly on third down based on the defence that we are lined up in. So I think it's an excellent pick. Um, and when you put the one, two, three together, I think they'll all have an impact on year one. Necessarily be starters, but they'll all have some sort of impact, which is which is what you need from your rookies, isn't it? Yeah, like it just sort of strikes me that is what the Packers are going for here is that pass rush. Uh, no, look, I mean, if you look at Nick Perry, he could get after it or whatever. Um, I don't know what they're going to do with Kyler Fackrell. Um, you know, Clay Matthews, whether they move him inside, but I reckon that under Perry... They will address it. They yeah. will address the pass rush. They, they, the ones that got past sort of round four, there was nobody left. The cupboard was empty. I think that I think the turning point was round two, wasn't it? So I think Landry went at 43, if I remember rightly. Mm. It would have been interesting to see if Landry had dropped to 45 when we were picking, whether or not we'd have still picked Jackson at that point or whether we'd have took Landry and potentially filled up the uh, pass rush all. But I think once that, once that sort of ship sailed, there wasn't a lot, to be honest, um, I think the Giants took Lorenzo Carter top of the third, and once we picked at three, then I think there was there was nobody else left to me. Certainly, my board was pretty much empty. I think it was a guy called Marquise Haynes further down the board at round five, but apart from that, it was empty. So you can understand what you know Brian Gutekunst was saying in terms of the the board didn't drop that way. Um, so I think they just accepted it, and rather than just throwing darts at a board and you know hoping one hits. They just stick true to the board and took the players that they had, you know, rated there. And I think Burks um, will will fill a need for us as well. So I think that, you know, I was really pleased with that pick. Really pleased. Yeah, and it just it appears to me, Andy. Now this could be all baseless, but it appears to me from what Mike Petten has been saying, from what he's been saying about Clay Matthews, which I would have seen as kind of, um, I don't know, roster management. If they were to ship on Clay Matthews, like the sentimentality would be there. But I guess. It makes an awful lot of sense from a monetary standpoint. But then he'd absolutely light it up in a couple of games last season. And you're thinking, Jesus, you can still see what he has. And from what Mike Petten was saying, it almost seemed like he still believed that he could get something out of him, which I believe he can. Like we have Vince Beagle there and he had massive potential. These measurables stacked up against TJ Watt. He'd more experience than him, um, even though TJ was a sexier pick and maybe were more sensitive to the fact that B goes around A because of the haircut and B because he was a badger. Um, so is I wonder, is the mentality though that we have such a strong line uh, with Mo Wilkerson, Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels. We've got Clay Matthews who will, might see a renaissance. We have Vince Beagle who's going to come in surely now that he's going to stay healthy as long as he doesn't bust up his hand again doing donut drills. Jake Ryan, no. Blake Martinez in the middle. Um, you know, 
what we've just not drafted. <laughs> no, not you don't buy it. it. And then no. the strength. No. Then oh, oh, what are we trying to do here? I mean, are we trying to get that pressure to snuff out any type of run offense? I just think he's building the roster, isn't he? He's just building the roster up, and, and he's doing it the right way. He's building it through quality and through you know sticking to your board, and that's what you do. You just can't fix Roman in a day, so he's fixed the, potentially the cornerback situation. I think he's made the inside linebacker. Um, position of position of strength as well now. Um, I just think it was you, you can't fix it all in one draft. That, that's the reality of it, Steve. Um, and I think they'll try other avenues. You know, as we get closer to cut down to fifty three to try and bolster the pass rush, and hopefully it works out a little bit better than it did with the likes of Amar Brooks last year. So I think they'll you'll get something from Perry, won't you? You know, he, on his day he can be a beast. Yeah. Um, I think Matthew still has enough in the tank to be effective. But you need that rotation, an outside linebacker. You need that third down rotation so people are fresh going into the fourth quarter of games. And I'm not sure that we haven't seen, we don't know yet, do we, what we've got with Beagle? Because he was, he missed the full preseason. And it's not fair to judge a player that didn't have that full preseason. Um, I think you've you've alluded to it that Fackrell's probably not going to be the player we, we thought he was going to get when we drafted him. Um, and that leaves sort of Reggie Gilbert, who showed distinct promise. But they're not scaring you, are they? So at the minute, as it stands today, the pass rush is not, you know, is not the scariest in the NFL. But it's not to say that come opening day we might not do, you know, a couple of bits of business to to remedy that. Really, um, the D line looks phenomenal, doesn't it? You know, on paper, the, the first three looks great, mm. um, and the back end certainly looks a lot more sort of um, wired for sound than it did pre-drafted. And it so, I'm not overly worried, but I think that they definitely addressed it before the season opens on the pass rush side of it yeah because i'm kind of thinking as well i mean all this nitro package i'm not gonna say nitro package nonsense but i you know i'm sort of thinking i i just don't know how the defense is gonna form because when i look at it on paper i'm kind of thinking you know if these cornerbacks actually play to their potential and what they're touted uh well then that'll shut down a lot of the you know the pass attack then we've got to focus on the run which blake martinez uh kenny clark is fantastic mike daniels fantastic um, you know, it just seems like on paper we could have something fantastic. But then when we saw Demarius Randall come in, Quinton Rollins come in at the, you know, at the rounds that they come in from the draft, and we're thinking, okay, that's it, we've got the talent now. But a different uh, defensive coordinator. The question yeah. that's sort of ringing in my head, Andy, right, is that we're a seven and nine team. But are we a seven and nine team? And like what you're saying, you can't build Rome in a day. And I, saw, I read an article today that someone said that Ted Thompson left the roster in shambles. Now, whether you'd agree with that or not. So I'm sort of thinking... Well, so I alluded to that, though, didn't I? I think, you know, when I, I did my piece pre-draft, I did say that, you know, the roster, it, it lacked some TLC, tender loving care. And I think he, there was, you know, an awful lot of holes to plug uh, over the course of the three days. And I think he's done a good job doing that. But there's still, you know, a number of positions that are quite thin. Uh, and I think that's right. It's an accurate assessment that the, we, were, we were quite far behind, particularly the teams in the NFC who've made huge strides in the off-season. Yeah. And you were high on the fact that we were going to take wide receivers. Um, when we selected <laughs> Jamon Moore, uh, people were, you you uh, tweeted in and said, there you go, lads, told you. Um, so it was a bit strange that it seems like we're going for a type, a wide receiver, right? We're going for that oh, tall absolutely. type. And Geronimo Allison, to me, like he's a tall guy, right? I can't remember <laughs> offhand what height he is. But when it, when they went for him at that that stage and, and that height, I was thinking, okay, they're going for a bit of, a bit of height um, all those years ago and it never panned out. Jamon Moore comes in uh well over six foot and um, then they have esb he comes in and like they 
we like what we put out today someone put out a tweet i think it was zach cruz said that he was rated uh, in the 60s as a player in the entire draft and we got him at 207 which was a compensatory pick in round six um and then the thing with the thing with brown though was and i watched hours of footage with him playing particularly when he played with deshaun kaiser I really like him. The only reason I put a black mark next to him and he didn't appear on my wide receiver picks was that when he got interviewed by an NFC scout, he unequivocally said he would not play special teams. Yeah. So that was on record. And once he said that uh, for the Packers, that's a no-no, isn't it? Am I, am I right? You oh, imagine yeah. that, you know, that, that's a no-no, isn't it? So I just, that's the only reason why he wasn't on my on my board because of that, you know, and that was common knowledge that, you know, as part of the pre-draft process, he'd, he'd made that comment. So, um, you know, somebody must have changed his mind. But it, <laughs> they must have, must have offered a pair of gloves, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> but isn't it amazing though, Andy, that I wonder was that meant to be him saying, I don't do special teams because I'm so good that you're going to have to play me in the starting lineup. I mean, is, is well, that well, where his head know. was or was he just sort of saying, you know, what, what was he thinking? No idea. It just sounds like a bit of a big time Charlie, doesn't it? But you know, let's give him the benefit of the doubt and see and see what happens. Um, but that's the only reason why, you know, when you're looking through the the process, you watch the tape and then you see pre-draft visits and how have they gone and you know, you know, pro days and all that. You do all your due diligence and all that. And once something like that comes out from a, a legitimate source, you you sort of think, well, that's not going to be, you know, a bit like if you had character concerns, you would cross them off. Yeah. And that's and that's the only reason why. Because on, on tape, you know, he's got the size, he's got speed, he's got good hands, you know, he's, he's an effective receiver. So you know, on that side of it, on the field, there, there was not no reason why he would drop to the to the, to the later rounds. So yeah. there must be something there, isn't there? You know, you look at the tape, what he's got on the field, it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty decent. See, that's the only way for these young players to learn is that when you go and trickle down and he came out and said that he was disappointed uh, when he yeah, dropped yeah, that far. And of course he yeah, would be. I mean, you know, because he obviously taught an awful lot of himself. But Jamon Moore, um, you know, drafted in the fourth round from our 133rd compensatory pick. Um, they, I think it was Packers News called him ultra productive. Um, yeah. You know, exceeded 60 catches at 1,000 yards as a junior and a senior. But the, the sort of black dot against him um, was the fact that he ran a disappointing 460 at the combine his pro day was an awful lot faster 449 the Packers are there he's meant to play faster um, which is the thing so it's not sort of a buzzword they said that he seems to play faster but he also has been saying that he you know he's been sort of I don't know they, they talk about this drop issue now he says that it was a mental error that he see the ball come down he was trying to do too much he's already had his eye on the next move and then I yeah. heard in another outlet that they said he was a big play wide receiver so he'd he is, sort man. of try catch it and the ball would drop and it'd be kind of impossible what he was trying to do anyway which kind of and we saw that in a kicker way with Mason Crosby where Mike McCarthy one year tried to get him to kick like every kick over 50 yards and of course his rate dropped and they were like oh he's got the yips and all this kind of stuff but the <sighs> stats can be a bit misleading is this guy as good as he can be, or do you think that he has a ceiling with these drops and that that might come back no. on the big stage? And no, I, I had him in my mock. Uh, I wanted him to come to the Packers. I thought he was. A per- I thought we'd get him in round five. To be honest, I think we might have reached for him. I think we must have been really high on our boards. So yeah. um, uh, the th- thing is, though, I think he just tried to do too much. It's a bit like when you play any sport. Really, once you start straining for something and don't allow it to come to you you end up making mistakes, don't you? And I think in the end, I think they moved him to one side of the field and said, right, you know, stop trying to do too much. You're going to play on that side of the pitch and that's it. You run your routes from, from the left-hand side or whichever side it was. 
and um, it became more effective again. So don't overthink it, don't strain for it. You know, allow it to come to you rather than sort of go go chasing for it. So size, speed, uh, he's got it all. Runs slants really well, so that'll fit well in our offense, won't it? Um, it's a good fit. Uh, great pick. Yeah, yeah, really, really pleased. I, I like the height that we've added, um, and it really does dwarf Randall Cobb and maybe limit him again <laughs> in, in every way, right? It really does limit him, I guess, to the slot. But it's a strange one that when you looked at both contracts between Jordan Nelson and Randall Cobb, that Randall Cobb was was kept on. He, you know, and he's I, I don't know, I like he's a he's a fan favorite. I love him, um, but it's 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 getting further and further away from his type, right? Is that just how the NFL is going, that you have to have that wide, big-bodied wide receiver? Mm, yeah, in, in a stretch, mate. Yeah, I think we've got, we, we needed it. You know, I had a good weekend, but I certainly had a better weekend than John Wallace and Trevor Davis <laughs> because because those guys must have been thinking, right, you know, I need to get my CV out and dust it off because they go, like I said to you before the draft, mate, they're there. Their time in Green Bay is coming to an end, uh, and these, you know, three guys that we've drafted will will hasten that departure. I'm afraid. It's just you, you need you need speed on the outside to create other things for people inside, for the likes yeah. of Jimmy Graham and, and guys in the backfield. And by you know, once teams respect your deep speed, it they they play defense differently. Uh, and with John Wallace, and although he flashed a little bit, and, and he's you know he was effective in his first year, four six four seven speed is not going to cut it in the NFL. Uh, and then Trevor Davis is just not physical enough to to separate, uh, or hasn't proved it on the field yet in any shape or form. So, um, no surprise to me that they took two. Uh, maybe it's a little bit of a surprise we took three shots, but that yeah. was more about the board, I think, than anything else. And tight end Emmanuel Bird, Lance Kendricks, uh, Jimmy Graham, and the guy from the Lions, uh, Robert Tanya. Now I haven't heard him being mentioned by anybody, but the Packers wished him happy birthday today. So he is definitely a Green Bay Packer. We four hmm. a tight end, uh, you know, effectively two of them proven. Lance Kendricks, uh, proven, but not so much. I didn't really shine. Did, did we not pick a tight end because there just wasn't one there, and that's how the board fell? Yeah. Or I think yeah. I think once round four, I think Ian Thomas went to the top of round four where we would have originally picked before the trade. Um, and once Tyler Conklin had gone, I think um, in in five again, a bit like we alluded to before. I think once the board. Um, for outside linebackers was clear it was the same for the tight ends there wasn't a lot left it wasn't the deepest class of uh, of history so I think it's um, just the way the board fell to be honest yeah um, mm. so to stay on the off- offensive side of the ball before we start getting weird and going into special teams Cole Madison offensive line now this guy <laughs> uh, th- there's no mistake about it and again this is one of these hybrid guys right he played tight end and then he was a basketball player like we all know that the commentators love that type of stuff when they talk about basketball players not that in, in his case is actually going to matter so this guy is a right guard um, you know they're trying to shove him into the into the tackle box and they said that he might play tackle he might play guard they don't particularly know what to do with him um, so I mean, you know, what what are we dealing with here? Are we, are we dealing with someone who they're going to try shoehorn into a Brian Balaga replacement? Um, you know, or is this guy a starter, or are they looking to sit him behind to sort of rotate him in and out? I mean, what's what's this guy gonna get up to? Well, they said a bit of both, didn't they? They, mm. they came out and said that they like him at guard and tackle, um, which I find hard at, at tackle. I think his arms are, are pretty short to be a right tackle in the NFL. Yeah, um, I was comfortable with him at guard. Um, I, but I just don't see him at right tackle, particularly if Bulag is not going to start a season. So I'm not sure, really. I, I'm not sure. Again, a bit like a bit like we've just mentioned. Again, the, the, the board was thin on tackles, and once Tyler Crosby had gone, 
Um, again, it was it was pretty empty. There was plenty of guards available later on in five and six. But in terms of pure sort of tackles, there wasn't a lot there. I'd be surprised if he's not shunted inside and we, we go in a different direction on the outside. But um, that's just my opinion. Very comfortable with him inside. He's, he's plenty athletic enough to play to play guard. But um, I think he might get exposed a little bit on an island on the outside. Particularly now, he's not strong yet. You know, he's college strong, not not NFL strong. He's the arm length is, a, is always a concern when you're playing on the the tackle position. Um, so I think he's a he's your prototypical Green Bay pick, isn't he, for for an offensive lineman? He looks like one. He has all the the stuff you talked about. You know, basketball player, ex tight end. You know, can play guard and tackle. He fits the profile, doesn't he? So I'm sure he'll have a great career. But I just would rather it was at guard. And you keep McCray as the um, the sort of the guy who can play centre guard, you know, wherever he's needed on game day. That, that sort of worked well last year, didn't it? And I think it, you know, would work well again. Yeah, exactly. I think that's how it kind of pans out. McCray at right guard, uh, Jason Spriggs filling in for Brian Balaga. It, you know, it's it's an odd one as well because the stories come out today that said Brian Balaga isn't going to take a pay cut, but he's not worried about being brought back by the team. And I just wonder, is this one of those things where? You know, because he is a fantastic player if he stays healthy, but the amount of games that he's missed is absolutely colossal. Um, yeah, and it's... It, it's an odd one. I wonder, does he kind of have them by the Lee Rodi, as we say in Irish, by the cojones? <laughs> yeah. If, um, you know, does does Balaga have them? Because effectively, he's kind of saying, look, you need me back. I'm a fantastic player. There's no point in stocking up on defense, getting big, tall wide receiver talent on, you know, Jimmy Graham, getting A-Rod back, giving him a massive contract if you're weak on the O-line and he's running for his life anyway. So it's kind of, I wonder, does he have that type of power over the Packers or they just recognize he's a good player and want to keep him around? Maybe maybe so. I mean, is Spriggs certain to be fit for the start of the season? I'm not sure that's a, a given, yeah. is it? So um, we haven't seen enough from Carl Murphy to think that he's the answer. So, uh, you know, Balaga's bargaining position, despite the fact he's injured, is, is pretty strong, I would imagine. Yeah. And riddle me this. So I look at this as a good draft. And is it just been such a sensational draft that we're going to overlook the fact that we took a punter, J.K. Scott? <laughs> I have no idea what that's all about. I sort of get the long snapper. That that makes sense. Being you know we've brought back Brett Good sixteen times now, haven't we? So maybe <laughs> that was that was uh, the time to make that move. I don't have a problem with that. But the punter one is a uh, he's going to be have to be really good, isn't he? Because I thought Justin Vogel did well last year. He did, um, yeah. yeah, he looked. He was. You know, I was quite pleased. I didn't see it as a need. Didn't didn't look at the punters. I've obviously looked at it post draft and seen what he can do. He looks quite an athletic guy with a nice pair of curtains to match as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I tell you, Justin Vogel, um, like Packer News put out there, um, reminded me uh, because again, as you said, it's a punter and and kicker. Apart, Mason's a friend of the podcast. We like him, uh, long snapper. And me and Ryan always take the piss every single off season that this is the story to watch. It's always special teams. It's always where it goes off <laughs> with the Packers because, as you said. You know, they're letting Breku go. He gets injured. They bring him back, you know, and all of this type of stuff. And then you have the parents of the long snappers following every Packers account like us and retweeting that. And even when we're sort of taking the piss about it, you know, it's just it's just bonkers. And the fact that they, they got this guy. Now, look, these lads know more than I do. And it seems like that they want to inject competition. I don't know if it's sort of if it's them sort of saying that the board is so weak, effectively, that the best player available is a punter have we got to that stage and not to be disrespectful to punters but it's a known fact that you can kind of pick them up um after but i don't know they, they, 
this guy seems he seems fantastic. According to now, he's the second punter off the board. The Seahawks went first, right? And took that plunge. Maybe maybe it was a bet that uh, Gudikun's lost when he was sitting around talking to all of the ex Packer heads or something. But it, you know, he seems like he was the number one punter, even though he was the second taken. Uh, he has a strange technique where when he punts, he doesn't lift his leg off the ground. He has that kind of interesting thing. He's the guy's um, super tall. You know, he's been what's he six foot six? He's you know he's been up for all these awards. Um, but there's a story that came out, and it was from I think it was from some type of Alabama journal or whatever al.com uh, that I put out from the Packers account um, yesterday, the day before. And this guy had a sort of degenerative knee wasting the muscles in his knees and stuff and whatever it was. I'm not a doctor, as you can tell. It was wasting away to the point where I think he was almost in a wheelchair. And then whatever technique he was doing, he found it just excruciating when he woke up in the morning. And I like the sort of, you know, rags to riches story where he came back from all of that and, and, and has made a thing. But our injury concerns, like not a not a problem with this guy, maybe. And if Vogel is an alternate for the Pro Bowl last year and, and I think his punting average is one of the best that Green Bay's ever seen, then why inject this into it? Because only one of them is going to make it to the end of the season. And is the fact that they picked him in round five a death knell for Justin Vogel or is that even stupid to say because they just let the lads battle it out and just pick the best I mean it's just it just that's why it seems odd to me Andy I guess yeah it's, it's got to be a you know if you're going to draft a punt in the fifth round it's got to be a difference maker yeah. he's going to have to flip the field he's going to have to be special Um, you know was it BJ Sandra I think the last punter we picked in the fifth round and the guy was renowned for it being a great directional kicker but he didn't have a he didn't have a great leg this guy has got a great leg and you know has, has churned out some you know, some excellent results. So I'd rather it was the latter. So I think a strong legs are a requisite for playing in Green Bay, isn't it? Um, so it'll be interesting. He's also a kickoff guy, isn't he? So he, he can sort of do the kickoff duties and, uh, and yeah. booms it through the back of the end zone. So it's twofold, isn't it? You obviously think he can add value, you know, in terms of competition. He's obviously got the, the head start because he's, he's in fifth round draft pick. So they're not going to, they're going to give him every opportunity on that for sure. Um, and potentially one or the other, maybe some sort of trade bait. I know it sounds bizarre that we're talking about trading punters, but it wouldn't be the first time this off-season. I think it was, was it Denver? I think it was who traded a punter away or traded for a punter, I think. So I think, um, yeah, be interesting competition. And that's what he talked about, wasn't it? Was bringing competition to the squad. And, uh, you know, it's that culture of competition that creates excellence, isn't it? So, yeah, it wasn't a pick that I saw from a million miles away, to be honest. Um, I think it was the safest position on the roster, but uh, hey ho, it's um, we like you say, they know far more than we do, so we trust trust the judgment and see what happens. Can you imagine Vogel sitting at home though, choking on his tackles. Like what, really? Oh, <laughs> I mean, that's you, the last thing yeah. he thought. Like. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, he'd have been surprised. I think Davis and Allison would have been sat there expecting it. Yeah. I think the, uh, I think Justin Vogel was probably on a cruise somewhere <laughs> and probably. <laughs> he's drafted what? Yeah, you know. he was on your stag, Andy, and he's like, "Ah, oh, lads, come on, for Christ's sake, really." <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a it's a bizarre one, yeah. But hey, I don't know. We'll see. It was quite yeah. interesting because there was two or three punters actually in the draft when you when you sit down and look at it now. I have afterward after the event, um, you know, have we even taken the right one? Because there was a couple of guys there, the Aussie Rules guy, and one thing and another. So it'd be interesting to see how those guys who've all been picked get on, really. And it's interesting that he does kickoffs because then you're kind of thinking, are they looking at the leg health of Mason Crosby and thinking, okay, yeah, we yeah. can let him do a few boomers then and 
yeah. you know, and let Mace come in and just focus solely on on kicking field goals, or whatever. It's interesting, yeah. and and even down to uh, Jair Alexander, the fact that he does punt returns, kick returns, or whatever. You know, they're kind of. It's so weird because you sort of think, you know, Trevor Davis had it. He was sending in tape, and then he was doing a few fumbles. So then you put this guy in, and then what does Randall Cobb do? Does he have a role? Does his role diminish? Does it increase? I mean, it's just a so many. It just raises so many questions. But the big question is. If you're wide receiver Valis Scantling or ESB and a punter gets taken in front of you, I mean, is that just, I mean, how do you reconcile <laughs> that in your head? But the, again, I know we've sort of said it a couple of times, maybe I'm repeating it here, but six foot five for Marcus Valis Scantling, a wide receiver from South Florida, and then ESB six foot four. So again, two massive dudes. Andy, you, you called just something insane last year when you talked about Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams. Um, and you said that these boys were going to make the roster and that we'd see some of the lads that we had get cut. When we're looking at the, this wide receiver class, do you see something similar happen? Do you see Trevor Davis leave? I know you've sort of alluded to it, but you know, you're going to pin your colours to the master and say that these taller wide receivers, you know, these are going to come in now and start pushing the old guard out? Or is, again, this just competition uh, for training camp and all the rest? Well, it's, it's competition for training camp, but uh, I'd be very surprised if Davis and Allison are still around come the season opening. Um, I think these three guys, again, they've been drafted, so they've got a head start. You've got some carryovers from last year, haven't you? You've got um, uh, Clark, um, uh, and there's obviously the practice squad guys as well. So you've got some carryover there. But whether they make the 53 or the, or the practice squad for next year, I think all three will, will be hanging around. Definitely, they've just got all. They've got something different each, haven't they? And you've just like you alluded to there, they've got reason to be a little bit chippy as well. Particularly Brown, I think he believes in his own mind. Listening to him, that he should have been picked far earlier. Yeah. Um, I think uh, the, the guy from South Florida is actually probably the most polished out of the three. Uh, he's got terrific size and speed. So you know the fact that he plays in a smaller college, I think, never helps in terms of draft position. But um, yeah, I think he's he's. He's pretty special. Um, I, I really like more, uh, and Brown's probably the unknown one to be honest, just because of his. I don't know. It's just something about him that he's a little bit more. I, don't know, I think he expects to be the, the number one pick, doesn't he? And if you, you get into the diva mode of a wide receiver, which there's plenty around the NFL, isn't there? Yeah. Um, then guys don't tend to last very long in Green Bay, do they? So that would be my only sort of watch out for him. But I certainly think all three will make some. Some form of the squad, yeah, definitely. I just don't want to see anything happen to Aaron Rodgers because I don't want another thing of this quarterback has chemistry with this right receiver. You know when we saw Brett Hundley and he had the, yeah, the yeah. chemistry with Von Adams and Deshaun Kaiser uh, is an old teammate of ESP. So yeah, he got exactly. 58 pass for 961 yards, nine touchdowns. I do not want to see a replay of that, please. Thanks very much. I don't want to see some you know, new uh, wide receiver come in and Sean Kaiser take control of, of the offense. But it's weird. Look at our wide receivers as they stand. There's some tall dudes in there. Devontae Adams, 6'1". I don't know if you could call it super tall, I guess. Uh, Jeronimo Allison, 6'3". Uh, according to his, his majesty, Andy Davies, he's gone. I'm sorry, Jeronimo. Pack your bags, buddy. Michael Clark, 6'6". Uh, Jake... Kumaro, which is a new dude uh, from Wisconsin Whitewater, so we'll see how he gets on six foot four. So it really is like the Packers are just trying to, you know, have this influx of of really tall dudes. It's very interesting the way it goes. Randall Cobb, five foot ten. 
Um, what do we need from him? Though? What do we need from him? You know, Adams is going to do his thing next year. You know, and he stays injury free, touch wood. He's he's going to be he's going to do his thing next year, and he'll get his fair share of you know the neck end of a hundred balls. I would imagine. Yeah. You know, Jimmy Graham's going to take up a whole chunk of balls, isn't he, from the from the tight end position if he stays injury free, and then if you know, and Randall Cobb will do his thing from the slot. Mm. So what what do we actually need from from wide out too? Because I call them you know from perimeter wide out. You're probably looking at probably forty balls. Yeah, and I think you know whether it's a combination or whether one of the guys steps up and, and makes the spot their own. I think that that's well within the remits of a rookie coming in. You know, catch forty balls, three or four touchdowns, six, seven hundred yards, maybe is uh, tops. Um, absolutely, and that's all we need right now. I think that's all we need. But we just need that threat. That's that's the most important thing. That diversity of the offense that stretches the defense out. And we haven't had that for for a while, I don't think. And that's that's the important part for me that all three of those guys bring that to the table. Mm. And like, how scary is it that Devontae Adams and Jimmy Graham being on the same field? Uh, you know, Jimmy Graham running around in the middle of the field causing havoc, and then you have uh, you know Randall Cobb, diminutive, uh, but super dangerous. You know, his yeah, short absolutely. hands. It it is yeah, frightening. Yeah. You know, and do you know what? And when Jordan Nelson went down all those years ago, and people criticised Randall Cobb and saying, you know, he can't step up into the wide receiver one position, and you know that's what he was expected to do. But some wide receivers perhaps are always just better at that second wide receiver slot. You know, to to take those targets after wide receiver one is covered or whatever you know the tight end is, is causing smoke screens i mean taking stuff off out of the flat in the backfield or whatever like it's you know it's sometimes it's you're just better in that kind of utility role of doing a jack of all trades and we've seen randall cobb he's willing to take yes. it for the team yeah. and just play his part and not want to be the attention guy fantastic teammate and again more important than anything else has the trust of aaron Rodgers. yeah you're right what you say i know we coach we coach all positions don't they but like you say, that some guys are just more comfortable in positions than others, aren't they? And Cobb's, Cobb's clearly more comfortable in the slot, isn't he? You know, rather than the perimeter. So that you know, that's where he makes his living. Um, and he's he's tough to cover. You know, when he's fully fit, he's tough to cover, and he's a he's a real he's a real handful of defenses. Yeah, and I don't think there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I don't think there's nothing wrong with saying right, nope. that's what you are. You're you're a slot. Uh, receiver and and that's what you're gonna do. The, the likes of Cole Beasley and these players have made their living from. It. Well, New England have made a living off it, haven't they? So yeah. they've won Super Bowls on it, so it works for them. Denver did it well when they, you know, when they had their success. It it does work. Yeah, they're tough to cover. You know, that's why we were clambering for an athletic DB to cover slot guys. You know, and we took Alexander, and just hopefully he's not the next coming of Terrell Buckley. <laughs> Ahmed Carroll or, or, or latterly <laughs> Demarius Randall because yeah. they were the last sort of smaller guys that we, we took weren't we and none of them panned out particularly well no, no for all he's got too much swag for that though Andy uh, that's what no I think about. so yeah the swagometer yeah, is yeah yeah but Ahmed <laughs> Carroll had a lot of swag when he turned up so Terrell Buckley wasn't short of a bit of swag either so <laughs> this is 2018 <laughs> swag though Andy it's different Not, swag yeah. alright I, I believe it is. I believe it is. Don't worry. But I just, it's, you know, <laughs> it's, it's out there. I love that. Like people said, oh, he's got a good attitude uh, on the field. He's uh, got a lot of swag. Yeah, we see, uh, we see how that, uh, that does. I don't he's know. He's chippy. Yeah. I, I like, he's chippy and I like that side <laughs> of it. And that's why he'll, he'll yeah. endear himself to Mr. Daniels when he's got a bit of an edge to him, hasn't he? Yeah. Well, that's it. And uh, of course, you know, Daniels is coming out asking for the old Iowa to, uh, to bring in Jackson. So... You yeah. know, he he's got his teammates. He's he's got the he's got the credit he wants around him. Let's talk about Looney Tunes here. Round seven. Finally, Andy, we, we you know, he fell all this way to defensive end. Uh, this is where we get our pass rush on. Uh, now you know, this guy they've given him a grade C. Um they say that you know, he fits the the Mike Petton mold. He's six foot two, he's aggressive. 
Um, but again, there's a reason that he fell to round seven in the first place, uh, pick 232. Now, again, it's like anything else. Like, I read about this guy, right, and I see that he's durable. He's played 36 of his 37 games per Packernews.com. Um, and they say that he's the only defensive lineman in the top 40 that finished in the top 10 of all um, six measurable skill tests, again, from Packernews.com. Some fantastic coverage from those guys. So, you know, you look at this guy on paper and you go, oh, second round, and then you see when he actually goes. You know, I mean, high hopes for this guy. Is, is this guy going to, you know, will he stay on the team is he worthy of a place and you know what can you pick up in the seventh round any of these questions stick in andy i mean you know any hope for this guy yeah absolutely i think it i saw an excellent comment from one of the packer beat writers actually said that um when you get to the seventh round what you're looking for is one significant good quality uh, and then anything else after that is a bonus Mm. because it really is you know you'll 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 hit on a diamond every now and then, but ultimately, the seventh round, the, the I think Gudekunst alluded to it that your talent level is you know, much much more the same. There's there's not them pigs and troughs, and I think if you can just find somebody who's got a quality and then coach the rest up, then you, you've done a good job with it. Really, I think he was durable, wasn't he? So I think that was you know collected a lot of tackles um, and, and spent a lot of time in the backfield. So they're all they're all good qualities. He tested well, didn't he? Yeah. So I think he tested well in the in the sort of defensive lineman crew, um, and that's about as much as I do. I've watched as as much tape as everybody else, I suppose, since I, since I've been back home on Sunday. And you know, he makes some splashy plays. He looks athletic enough, so he's got a chance, particularly in what's quite a thin group for us. So um, yeah, and the same for the guy, you know, in the last pick as well. Um, the same sort of applies to him, really. I think that they both, you know. We've taken a bit of a punt, haven't we? And we'll see where it goes. Yeah. Well, so, long snapper. And before we get into that, I think, <laughs> I guess we need to kind of, um, to clarify as well that the way I like to look at this is, is kind of like golfers, is that everybody who's in the draft is a phenomenal athlete, is a fantastic player by and large. They're, you know, of course, you get some of the quarterbacks who, you know, would operate at a high level, but again, not NFL caliber. But I guess that sort of pans out for all these players. But I went golfing with one of my mates and he said that one of his friends was, again, you know, this whole, my friend is a friend of a friend of a friend who's a friend of this guy. But uh, my mate who I play golf with, he's good mates with a guy who plays with Shane Lowry, the golfer. And he said that he's there and thereabouts. This guy drops the ball on the green every time. He, you know, at some holes, he will beat Shane Lowry when he goes out playing with him or whatever. Um, but, you know, the... The gap between professional golfers is so thin and that's why they kind of leapfrog each other each and every time. And of course, the game is like variable with weather and all the rest. So let's leave all of that crap aside. The, the top 500 golfers, there's like a whisper between each one of them. And that's kind of the way it is with these players too, is that the people that tend to go up at the top of the draft aren't good players. They're exceptional players, let's say. Yeah. And, and the players down below in the seventh round. So when you're talking about the likes of James Looney, um, you, you know, it's not the fact that and and Kendall uh, or Kendall Donerson. It's not the fact that these guys are bad players. It's like, oh, he's he's a seven round. He's a bit crap. He's amazing. But the fact is, he's just when you hit the NFL, it's a whole different ball game, I guess. So, uh, uh, you know, let's just see what we come from. So it's not me being disrespectful, saying you know, will this guy stick? I mean, is he gonna stay? It's the fact that the competition is 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 ridiculous. Two percent of all college players make it to the NFL and make a career of it. But long snapper, Hunter Bradley, as you said at the start, this makes sense because we keep yo-yo and Brett Good. Um, if this guy, 
can do any good, Andy, we can say that this guy's going to stay on the roster. I don't think this we're going to be making um, big splashes <laughs> for, for another long snapper. We just need consistency, right? Yeah, I mean, all, all I can say about him is that when you watch his tape, is he, he pings the ball back with speed and zip, and that's yeah. all you ask for, isn't it? it is, you know, the primary job of a long snapper is to get the ball in the holder's hands as quickly as possible, and, and he does that, you know, to great effect. So, um, I'm, I'm not excited, I'm not a special teams expert, but I, he, he seems to do the job, he's consistent, and um, that's why Brett Goods, you know, hung around for so long, isn't it, that he did that, exactly that. So... I think the Packers just want some consistency there, don't they? You know, I think Crosby would have been championing for that as well, won't he? Yeah. I think uh, that's a really important part. The timing's really important, isn't it, for a kicker? Um, and the longer you've got with somebody to work without out kicking their leg during the season, the better it is. You know, you want to do all your work pre-season on timing and, and get it down. And if you can go into the season comfortable, that's a huge advantage for the kicker, isn't it? They don't want to be working. You took, talked about, you know, Crosby's leg. He doesn't want to be sort of kicking it every day during the season. He wants to be having, you know, a latte in the uh, the upper <laughs> echelons of Lombardy Avenue, doesn't he? Rather than kicking out on the kicking field, you know, with a new snapper every week. Yeah, and I mean, he says that when he was on the podcast that, you know, pre-season he'd go out to different facilities and, and get his kicking going. And it'd be good yeah. to, to be going out with your with your unit and, and getting that chemistry down because it is an awful lot about chemistry. We've seen what happened at family night last year, I believe, you know, he yeah. he was oh, just an absolutely dreadful night and all of a sudden we see sort of a change of the guard there. And I guess as a player and as, as much as, like he's a top point scorer in Packers history throughout the whole 100 years, the number one guy to score more points than anybody else is Mason Crosby from that leg. Um, so I guess he has the, the calibre and the, and the sway now to turn around and say, listen, can you stop dicking around a bit and, and, and changing yeah. players? And Brett Good, Andy, I, I, tell you, I read a stat about him last year that he never had one botched snap. Is that no. he was it was perfect and I just found it hard to believe. Unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah, it's not an easy skill, is it? Um, but you can see the frustration on Crosby's face at the family like, couldn't you? Yeah. You know, as if to say, look, you know, he was very sort of uh, animated and you know, you could see he was visibly really peed off and um you know, it, it's a if there's somebody there that they really like, then it, you know, if they didn't like anybody else on the board, then why not? Mm. You know, it's another piece of the puzzle that's fixed, isn't it? It just leaves us with Reserve offensive lineman, reserve tight end, defensive end, outside linebacker, and we're sorted. <laughs> Which one are you volunteering for, Andy? Uh, none of the above. None of the above. Yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think poor El Steedy he has that. I'm going for the meter. Um, but the, the draft, and I was happy with it. All in all, I think I was happy. I think we've added some nice pieces. Um, yeah. on paper you know everybody sort of looks like a bit of a legend uh, but we'll see how it all pans out good tall wide receivers we'll see what the dynamic is there G- Jimmy Graham is an absolute beast himself so we're kind of going for him but in a skinnier wide receiver version I guess um, and the cornerback position although we say this every single year looks like it has gone the right direction to be addressed uh, but I guess we'll see under Mike Petton's D um, how it pans out so all in all Andy I guess that you know, bar the odd kind of punter and, and the way the board fell. Because you, you mentioned the pre-podcast, didn't you, that it was literally the way the board fell and that people were coming up and, and nabbing picks. You mentioned some yeah. players, right? Yeah, I don't think it... I think he did exceptionally well considering, in, in, well, in my opinion, I think that the board didn't really fall well for us. So if I, if I give you some examples, so round one when we traded back into 18, mm. at 16 and 17, we lost Edmonds and James. So my, my two favourite players from the draft would have been interesting to see if either one of those had skipped past the charges and the bills. 
you know, who would the pick would have been. So that, that, that was the first one. Um, yeah. I put me in a right stink of a mood Friday morning at half three when I saw that as well. I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> the missus was like, what's the matter? <laughs> you, you, you don't want to know. Uh, and then I think sort of day two, I think Landry went at 43, I think it was, or around that, didn't he, Harold Landry? Uh, so yeah. again, would have been interesting to see whether we'd have actually picked up the pass rusher there in round two as opposed to Josh Jackson. And even all the way down, I was talking to you about it, wasn't I? I think sort of round four, the last of the sort of pass rushes, Josh Swept from Florida went just before us. Uh, Thomas, the tight end, who was probably the last tight end, he went sort of in our original pick in round four. Uh, and all the way down to round five, there was people flying off the boards. Uh, Crosby, the tackle, Conklin, the tight end. Uh, Ronquo, the outside linebacker, probably the last sort of pass rush specialist if you like he went to the rams uh Krupshank went to safety and then <clears throat> sort of jones denby um brown all went in the sort of sixth round just before we picked as well so i think there was yeah you, you don't know because we don't see of the we're not privy to the board of the packers are we but it, there was a little bit of me just sort of watching it back thinking geez we didn't have a lot of luck there you know in terms of the people we could have sort of uh plumped for and filled a couple more holes potentially so I think we've just stayed true to the value on our boards and, and picked up maybe positions that we wouldn't have looked at if it had fell slightly differently. Yeah. And again, looking at these players after, it's the glitz and the glory and the swag and the suits and the dicky bows and the posing yeah. and the, the finger guns. And you know, and it just seems so brilliant. But then when you get some of these lads on the on the field, it just doesn't translate. So I guess, you know, like you say, like like we say, um, and like even Brian Gudekunst himself comes out and say, you just really can't grade it until you you know let a couple of years go by and see. But you raised it a couple of podcasts ago, just about you know looking at Ted Thompson and who he drafted and and see exactly who worked out and who didn't. And I don't know. I, I guess if you're to do that for every team, who knows how it'd actually pan out. But um, it's exciting. It, it's sort of it's the real ding before you know the business area. Uh, I think people forget though that we, you know, they don't play football in in suits or shorts. You know, they do all this testing at Indianapolis, don't they? And they go through all these pro days and stuff like that. But the tape's all there already. Yeah. You know, this is just confirming what sort of ability they've got in terms of athletic um, limitations. Uh, and you know, and, and they can have the, the best dicky bow and the best suit, but that that ain't going to make them a player, is it? And none of that sort of phases me. I see through all that. It's just what you, what you see with your eyes on the tape that's important. Yeah. Um, and come sort of, you know, pre-season and mini camps and all that sort of stuff, and the pads start rattling. That's when we'll start to get a feel for for who's going to make it and who's not. Yeah, and I mean, we've seen the likes of Cooper Cup in college, the wide receiver who came down with just dynamite numbers, but then he was questioned over you know, the strength, the schedule, who he was playing. And it's just, it's very, there's so many variables. It's very hard to know who translates and who doesn't, you know. But the more experienced players, I think if you think back to someone like Greg Jennings, you know, within within hours of the first session, you know, the QBs know, don't they? They just have a feel. They're like, he's going to be a player. You yeah. know, there's some raw edges to work with and there's some bits we need to work on. But you can already see uh, they have the moves and the and the cutting ability to, to make it. So they get open and then they have that backed up by great hands and savviness to make sure that they make plays. And then, and they'll soon suss out, you know, experienced players uh, can can pick up pretty quickly the ones that are going to sort of uh, rise to the top quickly. Yeah. And, I mean, anybody can see it. Uh, the, you know, you look at 
now again the obvious ones Messi, Ronaldo, whatever. But I I play five aside. I kind of packed it in now after having two kids for a while. Uh, but when I used to play five aside every Wednesday, there was a new guy that started, and he was an older chap. Like if he's in he's in his I don't know mid thirties or whatever. Um, so he wasn't sort of you know twenty one year old whippersnapper or whatever. And a Romanian guy, kind of quiet. But when you got talking to him, he told me about his history. Right, uh, this guy was in the Romanian Premier League. And I was yeah. like, okay, you know, you must be fairly handy. And and then he ended up going to the Bundesliga for one of the German teams. And then I think Bayern Munich wanted to sign him or something like that at some stage. Uh, now, again, this is back in whenever, you know, 15 years ago, whatever the hell he was saying. Um, and then I think he, something happened. He was he was in an accident or something and really busted his leg into bits. And so that was his career over. But, uh, you know, he was able to walk properly and all the rest. He kind of recuperated. But he still had a massive, ch- he showed me his leg. He still had a massive chunk on it. His leg it was gross. But it was that type of thing, right? Is that he was on the five-a-side field and he was kind of directing the, the younger players that we have as if to say, you know, you do this, you do this. And people are like, who the hell is this guy? But when he got on the ball, Andy, dear Jesus, he could... You know what? It wasn't even... It's not as if he was dinking around and, and doing, you know, alley-oops and whatever, whatever type of technique you want to do. Whatever. It's just the way his fluidity and the way he could go around you and, and pick a pass and know the pass to go to. His shots were pinpoints, you know, he put... And it's just that. It's just that type of thing that you see... Um, you know, just that absolute quality, and it's that type of thing, I guess, that on a very high scale that you see in the NFL. That sometimes you can just look at a guy, and whatever it is about him, just his fluidity and the way he moves, and say, you know, that that lad has it. That lad definitely has it down. Yeah, it's just when your head turns, isn't it? You know, you get a new lad at practice. Sometimes when we we play flag football, and it's like, whoa, yeah. you know, straight straight away it turns your head. Yeah, we've got something there. And then it just sort of builds momentum, doesn't it, and, and comes to fruition sort of further down the line. Yeah. But that's all it. That's all it takes. Uh, and they'll know pretty quickly what they've got. So it'll be interesting to see. Very interesting. Yeah. But look, exciting times coming ahead. But even more exciting times, we have announced our UK Packers trip to the States. And we like to always do something bigger and better. So last year we went over for the Seahawks game. It was week one. Because of that, it was a bit more expensive because it was so early in the year and it was against the opponent. It was the, you know, the opener at Lambeau. Um, so it was a, a fantastic experience. Great game. Uh, but this time what we're doing is is we're going to do three games. And the main game is to see Miami at Lambeau. Um, and all of the details are on the website, ukpackers.co.uk. And we've got the cheapest price that we could muster um, this year so the Miami game is 1350 uh, which is a decent price that's for all UK Packers in association with touchdown trips and um, before that we have the Pats game so if you want to go to Foxborough and see the Packers um, that's only 1250 so that seems pretty reasonable but the absolutely knockout price of 950 to go to Hollywood to go to LA to see the Packers take on the Rams in the Coliseum uh, the home of Super Bowl one um, for all of you historian Packer fans out there. So it's going to be a fantastic experience. But again, the group trip, which is the one that I'm going to be on uh, with all the boys, is going to be going to that uh, Miami at Lambeau. And all the other trips are just kind of offers that touchdown trips will do you. But believe me, there's going to be an awful lot of UK Packers um, on all three of them, including the two ones that aren't the group ones, but that you'll go solo and get that offer. Um, Andy, as you said at the top of the pod, you can't go, uh, you have the nuptials. But if you were to pick one of those three games, uh, which one would you choose? We'd have to rule out the Miami game because, you know, seeing you and uh, potentially Ryan and them rolled up suits, Miami Vice style, would not be the... <laughs> Not be the look Not for me. Not your thing, no. Lovers, no socks. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I, know, I know it's your style, Steve, even yeah. before. The, that's why you arranged the Miami game, isn't it? No, but well, that's it. That's it. Drag, it out, drag <laughs> it out the wardrobe. <laughs> In November for uh, Green by Andy. Not the weather for the L suits. I think I'll be dressed in me Packers gear, Pat. 
<laughs> no, it's definitely the Rams. It'd have to be yeah. the Rams game away in LA, wouldn't it? Bit of bit of LAX, cruiser mm. cruiser beach down, I think, yeah. Bit of point break. And oh, then yeah. head to the game. Yeah, definitely the Rams game for me. They're gonna be a quality team next year, aren't they, as well? Oh yeah. So uh, I think you're gonna see a it'd be a quality game. I think it'd be a bit of a shootout, won't it? The way it's the way it's shaping up. Um so yeah, that'll be a quality ball game, uh, quality city. Yeah, and nine fifty pounds. That's a that's the cheapest that we can get from touchdown trips. So it's the first year that we're going to be going with um, touchdown trips. Before that, uh, we went with a different operator. So um, yeah, it's so, the first wedding know. in history that we've asked for uh, a touchdown trips wedding vouchers. So, <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> she, she just doesn't know. She just doesn't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're saying it's some type of charity to people. Yeah, touchdown trips. Just hand them to me. Uh, to that's go to what it is. Calls. Yeah. It'll help the kids, your kids, and you going over and leave the missus at home. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's um, it's exciting times, Andy. Um, and as well as that, look, on the website, UKParkers.co.uk, we have some great content. Andy offers some um, great stuff um, around draft time. And of course, I, I'm not the only person who's going to be um, trying to bug Andy for, for more content throughout the year. So we have written content up there by a guy called Peter Jones. Now, I mistakenly said that he was from Texas because his knowledge was so deep. I expected that he could be nothing else but an American who was born and raised, but he's not, he's not, he's from England and his wife is from Texas, but he has a place over there. So they go back and forward. Um, super nice guy, super knowledgeable. Um, and you read his stuff and you're, you know, you know that he knows his stuff. Oh, he had a war room to die for. Did you see the pictures on Facebook? I was oh, like, I was well jealous. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking, well, I'm the nightclub. He sat at home with his war room. I don't know. Sure. <laughs> which, which was the, which was a sexier night to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, I would have been preferred to be back in the war room. The guy's a beast. But in his articles, he even had like on my draft board. He has the whole thing laid out. He's all the books. He's all the books about being a GM. We have to get him on. I have to get him on the podcast as well because he tells you stories about how he was um, Red Cochran's mate uh, before he passed away, which was Vince yeah. Lombardi's main scout. You know, it's just oh, the guy's knowledge must be something else. He's got all these pieces of paper and posters dotted around on his walls. Someone needs to tell him that they've invented the iPad now and you can get all that <laughs> stuff on there. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I like, I like it old school. I mean, he's doing it, it exactly school. probably how Vince Lombardi did it, you know, it's been passed down. Did he have the Sharpie behind the cap and, you know, marker pens, stuff behind the ears, different colours? Yeah. And I tell you, going on. When, when they traded out to 27, they go, what the hell's going on out here? You know, he's got the whole thing going, <laughs> slamming the hat down. Where'd yeah, go, Jerry? I, I was close to saying something like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, more colourful language I guess after you've got a, a bit of gargle in you but Andy it's been uh, great having you on buddy um, to the podcast it's been super knowledgeable people have really enjoyed it there the articles uh, the article that you wrote went down really well the podcast went down super well um, and again we put the challenge out there that anybody who could guess four picks that came up in the Packers draft will get any free any item in the March store no one did it Andy you were the closest with uh, good old Jamon um, but if, you know you haven't won the prize you haven't got all four but who can no, that's boy no that's boy. disappointing disappointing Jamon Moore was we sneaked in there yeah yeah um, I didn't think Josh Jackson would drop to two that was a surprise wasn't it so no neither did I and that's exactly why Andy I said that we get my cues because I didn't expect us to get any of the top top cornerback prospects um at that stage, and um, I think who who did he go to in the end? The Vikings, I believe. Vikings, yeah, the yeah. Vikings snaffled him, yeah. So that'll be interesting. Um, but I think we got the better end of the deal um, in rounds one and two versus Hughes. Yeah. I would rate both guys over Mike Hughes, to be honest. Yeah, and I know I say this every week, uh, but we have some exciting guests, uh, apart from Andy, apart from you, uh, coming up on the podcast. Uh, so do stay tuned. It's very topical to what we're talking about in this podcast. Very topical and very cryptic because. 
I just wish these agents would give me a goddamn time. They're just, they're just string me along, Andy. They're string me along <laughs> like a young one uh, in a nightclub at a stag you, you, full of Hawaiian wearing, <laughs> Hawaiian shirt you, wearing. Jenny. You love it, don't you? Really, you love it. You love the, you love the, the chase. I love the chase. <laughs> <laughs> love the chase over email. It's just so sexy. Oh, anyway, <laughs> uh, I think we leave it there. Uh, so I've been at Steedy the NFL. Uh, give me a follow on Twitter. Follow at Pulitru on Twitter. That's Andy Davies for all your Packer needs. Follow the group at UK Packers. Make sure you hit the website because it's really wrapping up. We have the 1919 shop, by the way. Some new stock is coming in any day now. So if you want to go on and bag yourself a nice signed pick, uh, we've got uh, footballs there with a Jake Ryan signed football. Um, we have a Bakhtiari jersey coming in. There's only one of them, so if you want to bag that. Uh, so we have March right here in the UK. Do that. Anyway, finish with that plug at uh, ukpackers.co.uk. Follow us on Instagram. We try to have some funny memes on there. On Facebook as well. We're thinly spread, but it's goodbye till either midweek because I've got some special stuff coming or, if not, Sunday, Monday night. It's all scatological here. See ya. <laughs> Cheers, man.